Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. But you can really make a career out of being artistic. There's so many different fields, animation, and your artistic talents come in very handy in advertising, design, the movie industry. There's so many fields. So if you get a good college education in the arts, there are more career possibilities than just being a fine artist like Jeanette who paints in her basement. Hello, this is your host of the Career 100 podcast, Felicia Gopal. I am excited to be here and I am excited to introduce you to today's guest. We're continuing our series on the top 100 careers and this person has a fascinating career. So most of the careers that I normally interview with require a degree, but this career is one that does not require a degree. So if you're somebody who is interested in pursuing the profession of being a fine artist, you definitely want to stay tuned and listen to today's guest. Our guest today is Jeanette Calloway. She grew up in France and later in Germany where she went to school. One of the things that I've learned recently is kids often will go into an internship or apprenticeship rather than going straight to college. And so that's what she did. And she worked as an apprentice for a local pharmaceutical company before she decided to change careers and move to Germany. In 1987, she immigrated to the United States, and I hope that as we go through our interview, she shares a little bit more about what caused her to do that. But she's done a lot since she was here in the United States, including one of the things that happened for her is she started taking a drawing class at a local continuing education art class, and her teacher one day took her aside and said that she had extraordinary talent. I can tell you, I've looked at her site, and I can tell you she does have extraordinary talent. She could tell that it was not just a nice comment that the instructor made to make her feel good. He really meant it. And so what that caused her to do is go out and get some more education. She started with a book called The Art and Visual Perception, The Psychology of Creative Arts by Rudolf Eiman, which she said is a really good read to start with for those people who are creative and are looking for that. She believes that being an artist suits her very well because it allows her to express herself. She enjoys the solitude of being in her office and she gets to work with her hands. So she has decided to paint, paint, paint. And she's, as I said, a very opinionated, well, she says that she's a very opinionated, eccentric and idealistic artist. And we'll hear more about that as we engage. Today's guest, I am welcome to invite Jeanette Calloway. Hello. Hello, Felicia. Thank you for your generous and beautiful introduction. I appreciate that. Hello, listeners. Great. So what we're going to be doing today is just going to ask you some questions. So I've read a little bit about how you became a fine artist. Could you tell me some of the details that I didn't mention in my introduction? Yes, it is actually somewhat an adventurous story and (laughs) probably interesting to people that like the unorthodox way of, you know, achieving your career goal, I suppose, and discovering what you really want to be and who you're really meant to be career-wise. I pretty much spent my life (laughs) 
working in sales in one way or, or another. As you already mentioned, pharmaceutical, I was an apprentice in a pharmaceutical company. And then after the apprenticeship, they hired me in the sales department. I always joke around. This is really supposed to be a joke. <laughs> I say I used to sell drugs, but they were legal ones, pharmaceuticals. And I did that for a few years and then I moved on to a larger city and worked for a music company, CBS Records, now Sony, also in sales. But it was then that I sort of really started to notice my desire was creativity, uh, especially being surrounded at that time by music. I really felt like sales was not where I wanted to be. So it's just emerged more and more within me. It so happens that at the time I met my now husband and I moved to the United States. And as I came here, again, I had to learn English much better than I knew it. So that was my first task, learning English and become really proficient so I can enter the professional scene and find a job, as we say it here. So I started working for a weight loss company and also immersed myself in the music industry, again, here in the Atlanta area. But it was then that I met a gentleman who has a small record label. And he hired me on to really be more like a person that does everything. <laughs> if something needed to be done, I was ready to do it. And from there, I went into computers. I taught myself graphic design and I started creating posters and flyers and promotional materials. And I got really good at it and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, there's limitations when you work for somebody else. There's limitations on what you can do creatively. Uh, usually there is a concept and somebody says, this is what we want you to do and this is what we want it to look like. And I really wanted to go on my own and be creative, draw out of the lines, be out of the box. And I started taking drawing lessons in order to hone my skills from a... Uh, artistic standpoint. I was sitting in front of the computer, I was moving the mouse and I was doing all that, but I was thinking, truly to be creative, you have to have some basic skills and drawing is a basic skill. So I took these continuing education classes. But after I spoke with the teacher and he encouraged me and he was so sincere in what he told me about that he felt like I had great talent, I started buying paint, I started buying books about art painting, art history. And it was almost like this huge door opened up and a fresh breeze came in and said, this is it, this is my life, this is what I want to be. It was a feeling, it gives me goose pimples just talking about it. So you started painting. The art that you paint is unique. I've never seen a style like that other than, you know, when I was at the Louvre. You know, I won't call myself a frustrated artist because I don't spend a whole lot of time there. But I'm somebody who appreciates and buys art for my home and for uh -huh. myself and my pleasure. And one of the things that really impressed me in the art that you create is that you're taking and using the medium of watercolors, which I think is fascinating to do art that is very impressionistic. And uh -huh. I was really amazed and stunned that you could do that because that takes incredible control of not only your paint, but your water in order to make what it is that you make. So I say that to say that What's the distinction, if you will, between a traditional artist and a fine artist? I mean, I'm not sure that I completely understand the distinction between the two. Could you explain that to me? Well, as a fine artist, 
I really do follow the uh, traditional ways of the traditional medium, uh, like oil paint and watercolors, and I paint in both in oil and watercolors on canvas or linen. The true fine art connoisseurs, so to speak, you know, they like the traditional types of paints, but I don't like to, you know, follow these traditionalist ideals and traditionalist ideas, which is why people say, well, what you do is fine art. I like to say I do art. <laughs> okay. Because we live in an era now where doors and windows open up in so many different directions. And I see, for instance, digital art, just, you know, something that didn't exist up till recently. And I see some people out there that create digital art that is so incredible that I would call it fine art. See what I'm saying? Yes. But it is not what maybe a traditionalist or a museum curator or I don't know would call fine art. I can't speak for those people. I can only speak for how I feel about it. I try not to get much into rules and regulations and you can't do this and you can't do that. When it comes to art and what I am as an artist, I don't like rules. <laughs> because I truly believe creativity comes from within each individual person and I personally don't judge other people's art. So I wouldn't look at somebody else's work, might be a digital medium or even photography, because it could be fine art photography. I mean, there's such incredible creativity out there. So people would say what I do is fine art, but then you might have people that look at my art and say, well, it's not as fine as somebody else's. <laughs> I don't even go there because this is not how I think. Right. Does that make any sense? It does make sense. You know, I mean, it reminds me of something that happened when I was in college and a friend of mine asked me to read an essay that he wrote. Uh -huh. And to be honest, I didn't like it. And, you know, when you're in college, you say what's on your mind. As you grow older, you learn to modify that. But I told him I didn't <laughs> like it. And I remember him being really, really offended by that. But I was uh -huh. able to recover myself by saying that, you know what, I'm not a big fan of Hawthorne, but that doesn't make it that he is not a great writer. You uh -huh. know, it's just like, I just don't like his style. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't get over the fact that I don't like his style. So, you know, I think when you think about art, that's kind of where I go to is it may not resonate with everybody, but it could still stand and be defined as fine art in whatever medium it is by whatever means people define as fine art. Yeah. So, can, can I inject something there? Sure. Really, I think the question should be what is art? And that is like one of the most often asked questions and the most difficult to answer. And I remember when I first started delving into the arena of art and trying to be taken serious as an artist, which was more important to me then than it is really now, because I've learned so much, is I read up on a little bit Leonard Tolster had to say about art. And I really kind of liked, he wrote an essay about what is art. And one of the points he made is, and if I can just read it, to evoke in oneself a feeling one has once experienced and having evoked it in oneself, then by means of motions, lines, colors, sounds or forms expressed in words, so to transmit that feeling that others may experience the same feeling. This is the activity of art. 
Okay, so art can be many things. That's why theaters, art, music is art. I don't know if you've had that experience. You listen to somebody sing and tears break out. You know, you feel the song, you feel the words, you feel the story. That is art. And the same with painting. When somebody looks at a painting, I have people purchase paintings from me and they tell me and send me emails and say, when I wake up in the morning, like for instance, one lady says, the first thing I see is this painting of these puppies in the Provence countryside. And it makes me so happy. It gives me so much joy. Okay. Mm. This is what I felt when I painted it. Memories from my childhood. And this is what she now feels. That is the activity of art. So everything in between, like the emotions, the creation of it, is there to create the art. But the feelings that we then exchange as human beings, okay, that is true. That is art. Great. So it's a feeling that is evoked through both the artist, like yourself, as well as what is evoked with the person who perhaps purchased a piece of yours I like that I like that thought and for me there's pieces in my house that I absolutely positively love and every time I look at them it brings me back to a memory or a feeling you know it doesn't always make me smile but it always makes me happy right but we also have to inject here the assumption is that Art is happiness always. Art is about feelings. Art can also make somebody very sad. In in other words, if somebody writes poetry and expresses deep sorrow and sadness and the person hearing or reading the poetry, reciting the poetry, feels that sadness, that is also art. See? Yes, I understand. I completely understand. Which leads us really into our next question, which is, are there common myths or misconceptions about being a fine artist? (laughs) yeah we're lazy (laughs) lazy oh my goodness well sometimes i run the idea that artists are these aloof people they don't understand business only you know one half of their brain is functioning (laughs) (laughs) and really that being an artist is not a real job That is something that I've been personally fighting against, that whole misconception and that whole perception, because I think these misconceptions like art is not a real job. See, this is really what sort of got me on the wrong track as a young person, as a child. In my family, this is 1960-something, when decisions are made, what career your child is going to take, there's still this horror in the parent's face if your child would say, I want to be an artist. (laughs) <laughs> you can't make I'm telling like, you, fast forward 40 years and there's still that horror in the minds of a lot of parents. I think if my daughter, my youngest daughter in particular, wants to be a cook or a chef and yeah. there's a part of me that wants to encourage that and there's a part of me that is just like, really, that's why I'm working this hard is so that you can go and become a chef. You know, it's just like, you could be a chef at home. You don't need to go to school for that. But I do know what you're talking about. Certainly there is a segment of parents that would prefer their kids go into more traditional backgrounds and professions than artists. And usually the thinking is, 
to make more money. You don't make money as an artist. To be honest, you don't become an artist because you think you're going to buy a million dollar villa by the ocean somewhere if you become an artist. So in that sense, if your family is oriented to get a child into a career where they're going to make lots of money, artists would not pop into mind as the first choice. But, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what's more important, oodles and oodles of money or happiness? And that all sounds probably very, oh, yeah, naive. But happiness is actually very, very important. When you get up in the morning and you have to think in terms of you have to work in a certain career your whole life, you don't want to be miserable every day doing what you're doing. No, you really don't. Yeah, my advice is always don't pick your career on how much money you're going to make. First, find what you really want to do, really want to enjoy, and fall into that at least near perimeter of what you enjoy doing, you know, the fields you like to be in when you choose your career. And in my family, that wasn't the case. It was basically you get out of school and grandpa works at this pharmaceutical company and you're going to work there too. And that was it. No question about what would you like to do? What are your talents? So my career went all the way south, as I like to say, before I started finding myself. Well, you know, I think that that's often true. And it may be true for people and students because they don't really have an idea of what it is that they want to do. Certainly, there is a push in many of our families to pursue the background or the experience of our parents, especially if they've been successful in that. So if I define myself as successful, then certainly you going into the same career as me will mean that you will ultimately end up successful. So I I definitely understand that. But the other side of it is, and I think the one thing that your story really illustrates is that and the whole employment experience really kind of highlights is the fact that oftentimes we start in one direction and over time we find ourselves and change direction and there's no Mm -hmm. there's nothing bad about making a change in direction and there's nothing bad about starting in one direction changing fields they say that people are expecting to change their career fields probably at least three or four times over their career span. So yes. I, th- I certainly think that your story is very indicative of what's happening with many people across the world. What we're encouraging in this particular series is for students who are really interested in being an artist to perhaps start there and realize and recognize through this interview, you know, some of the things that they may have to look out for. Right. Yeah. Well, for instance, I would never suggest that people don't get a good education, don't go to college if if they can do so. It's not the ideal way to just work your way through muddling your way through life and starting late with your career and learning by the seat of your pants, as I like to say, and then take continuing education. Because if you, as soon as possible in your life, Find what truly impassions you, what you would like to do, something you identify yourself with, a passion, and then get college educated. I do think that is the way to go, especially in the United States, because to be honest, if I knocked on somebody's door, let's say any kind of art-related industry, 
I couldn't be employed. It just won't work because the first question is, what is your education? Where is your degree? And Germany wouldn't count anyway. <laughs> the degrees in Germany don't count in the United States. So as a foreign-born person, my only choice here was to become self-reliant, independent, self-educated, and do what I can to make it work for myself. But I don't recommend that for everybody. No, it's really not the path for everybody. And certainly if you can get started on the path that you're going to continue, I think it makes sense. I'm somebody that has been good with numbers. So I started out as an accountant. Then I did, you know, I'm in my 20th year as a financial planner. In the last uh -huh. 10 years, I've just been specializing in college planning. And the series kind of grew out of that because one of the things that is my pet peeve, if you will, is uh -huh. students who go off to college and have absolutely no idea what they're going to do. I think that that is a waste of money from their parents' standpoint, and yeah. it's probably a waste of time from theirs. I like yeah. them to have some ideas. You know, my daughters or younger, I've got an 8-year-old and an 11-year-old, and the oldest one likes to draw. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I buy her books on drawing, and I've been thinking about putting her in a class on drawing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then the other part of me, the part of me that's like your German grandfather is... Do I want to really foster this? What if she says, you know, at 17 and 18, I really want to become a fine artist uh, like Jeanette Calloway that you had on your <laughs> on your series? And I'd be like, what was I thinking? You yeah. know, so. Well, when I went to the continuing education classes, there were many people in there, but there was one particular young lady. She had just received a scholarship to Juilliard School of Arts. And we talked about it and, you know, we all clapped and praised her and said, wonderful. So, you know, saying art, there's no Korean art is really not correct. Maybe not as a fine artist, like what I do in my studio. I paint paintings from, I'm like the Van Gogh and I'm not trying to compare myself, but the point I'm trying to make is the artists that I admire, the Impressionists, they used to go out and just sit in the field and paint and it wasn't considered a career. That's just what they did. And they tried to sell their art in Paris at the salon and then the salon people, they kind of snarled at it and said, what is this? We've never seen this before. So poor Van Gogh, Vincent couldn't sell his art and he had to rely on his brother Theo to just survive. My life is not as extreme, but I fit in that category. But you can really make a career out of being artistic. Uh, there's so many different fields, uh, animation and your artistic talents come in very handy in advertising, design, the movie industry. There's so many fields. So if you get a good college education in the arts, there are more career possibilities than just being a fine artist like Jeanette who paints in her basement. <laughs> Am I making that point? Yes, you are definitely making that point. So if you had the opportunity to give a young Jeanette advice, what advice would you give yourself today knowing what you know now? Pick better parents. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Can't pick parents. Right. So, okay, let's scratch that one out. We can pick our parents. So I would probably give myself the advice, well, whatever you do, always have a positive attitude. I didn't always have a positive attitude in my life. You know, sometimes I let the past and the opportunities I didn't have kind of get me down and 
oh, poor Jeanette victim attitude. After I came to the United States, I don't know what was it, I had sort of like a search in my brain about oh, entrepreneurship and I can do it. <laughs> I had a much more positive attitude. The positive attitude grew and grew and grew. And the positive attitude will help you to really overcome a lot of obstacles. It doesn't really matter what it is that you do. If you go to college or whatever it is you do in life that you want to be successful in, the first number one important thing is to have a positive attitude. A positive attitude will get you further than a negative, oh, there's people trying to keep me down and I didn't have the opportunities that this girl over here had or this guy over here had. No, the positive attitude is very important. I didn't always have it in my life, but I gained it and I've continued and I learned that is important. The other thing I would say is really find what it is that you love to do that impassions you. If you get up in the morning and whatever it is you do, you can honestly say, I would do this for free, even if I don't get paid then you're doing something that is truly important to you and truly you can stick with your whole life. Don't just try to do something because you think it's going to make you money. You still hearing me? I, I still am hearing you. You know, I'm a big proponent for that. I really like your your comment on the importance of a positive attitude. Sometimes we all do it. We all kind of get in ruts where we're poor me, poor me. But it's really when I personally have changed that from poor me to, okay, this isn't working the way that I was hoping it would. What can I learn out of this opportunity and how can I get out of this? Because first and foremost, I don't like to be in this space of poor me, poor me for very long. I get bored with it and it's time to move on. So I could definitely see the value of having the right attitude. And I think it's important, especially since this is a career that on the social scale is not you know, the ones that everybody wants their kid to go into so that they could make lots and lots of money. So I think it's really important that you have a good attitude about your profession and also see what kinds of opportunities that you might be able to take the talent and the artistic creative side of you and perhaps channel it in a different way to compensate you for the time that you're spending. Because I'm a big proponent that people should be compensated for their time, but the reality is people are not always compensated for their time in some professions. You know, they spend a lot of time and effort and the compensation doesn't follow. Right. um, And you, you actually remind me of something that I should probably say is a little bit more specific and not just philosophical like having a good attitude and everything but if you for instance if you're a young person out there and you're listening and you say oh I want to be a fine artist I always wanted to create I want to be a painter like Jeanette it is really important to understand business as well because if you want to be a fine artist self-employed you create your own business basically you're an individual or like in my case I'm a limited liability corporation and you sit down and make a business plan like any other self-employed person or small business would do because 
you can be successful as a fine artist financially too. You're not maybe going to be a millionaire unless you're Thomas King Kate, and that can happen too. I mean, why mm-hmm. not? It can happen. But it won't happen unless you understand business. So taking business classes, or even if you have a business background from college and then go into arts, business will always help you having a business education. And don't spread yourself too thin. And like you just said about that you don't always get compensated. That is very true. And I noticed that many artists underpriced themselves. The artist mentality is often, they almost want to give their art away. You have to think business. You have to think of supporting yourself. Price your art fairly. Don't underprice yourself. But don't, you know, put prices on like you think you belong into the million-dollar range. Right. Realistic and use the technology that is available to you because the technology today, the internet, the information, I mean, shows like yours, Felicia, but what you do with the interviews, with the resources that you give, there's the same resources out there, similar resources for artists. You can find anything you want to find, learn anything you want to learn to hone your craft and you hone your business skills in the fine art genre, any other genre. And you can make money doing this. Obviously, I am. Now, not the best paid person, but I make more money than if I was out there working, let's say, at McDonald's flipping burgers. Right. And I get to do what I want to do. I set my own hours. But also, when you become self-employed as an artist, you have to also set yourself a regimen. You get up. You do the things you need to do. You become a professional and not aloof and just, I paint today, I don't paint, I don't... If you want to be successful financially as well as happy, then you have to also take the same approach and any other business person has to take and learn business. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that you could say that this is also one of the common misconceptions about being an artist. You know, one of the common misconceptions about being an artist is they kind of get up when they want, they paint when they want. But I love, and I'm wondering if it's part of you channeling your German parents, is the fact (laughs) that you think of it as a business because it really is a business and it really should be treated as a business. You know, the financial planner in me is, is silently applauding you because I love that concept because I think that that's where you know people get taken advantage of as well as people run into trouble when they don't run whatever they do in a self-employed basis in a business-like fashion you know they get behind in their taxes they don't pay taxes you know the IRS comes knocking on their doors all the rest of that madness that can kind of go on because you're not running your business as a business because the reality is it is a business and there are things that you need to know about being in business my husband keeps trying to encourage me to go back and get a master's degree an mba so that i can learn Uh more about business but i'm like you in that regard because i love what it is that i do but I don't want to go back to school to do it. So when there's something that I feel like is missing in uh-huh. my education, I'll go back and take a class in that. Right. Uh, I will hire somebody to train me in that. I will do right. those sorts of things in order to be more successful as a business owner. But to take two years out of my life to sit in a classroom, being taught to do what I'm already doing and have been doing for the last you know, 15 years on my own, 
Yeah. I'm sure there is value there, but I haven't seen enough value there to make it worth my time. Because even when I tap into my husband's MBA brain, he always thinks about it at the level of a large business. Yes. And so I tell about this time I asked him about some internet strategy that I wanted to implement. He came back at me and gave me these answers, but he was used to working for a Fortune 100 company at the time. Uh And I was just like, I just looked at him at the end. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. I will tell you it was Uh absolutely (laughs) brilliant, but it would have taken all of our resources that we had at the time, plus the next five-year salary in order to implement, you know, on my business. It was so out of place for my business. Uh But, you know, there's certainly power in there is certainly benefit to going back and getting your education to match and be more effective in your business. So one of the things that I've heard you say a couple of times, and I really just, it sounds like being a fine artist, it's not a requirement to be in college. But I've heard you say in a couple of times in this interview that you believe that it is in students' best interest to perhaps consider pursuing a degree and being an artist. Yes. Let's say, for instance, somebody starts out, they already know they would like to be a fine artist. And they say, well, why do I need to get a degree? I don't need to get a degree. I know I want to be a fine artist. I want to paint. If you want to be a fine artist and paint and actually financially succeed doing that, not just do it as a hobby, then at least a business degree would be really, really helpful. And if for some reason the financial resources aren't there to go to college and get a degree, you can learn a lot of these things on your own, which is what I did. It just seems to me that if it's possible to get a degree, I would get one in business. Maybe I'm just very unique in that. At least that's what some of my friends are saying. They call me a sponge. I absorb a lot of stuff. I read a lot. I do a lot of research and I'm just a stickler for finding information and absorbing information. So I'm doing quite well on my own. And I don't know if everybody could do do what I do. And that probably sounds a little bit arrogant, but Sometimes I scare myself in that way. And again, if you don't have a piece of paper and a degree as a backup, if you try to seek employment somewhere at one point or another, it's much easier to do this when you're younger. And to just if you have the opportunity, I would say get a business degree. Like, for instance, contracts come up all the time. I have numerous places that license my art. And, you know, of course, they'll send you a contract. You have to be able to read and understand a contract, understand what to sign, what not to sign, negotiate a contract, negotiate your what's called royalties. Even as a visual fine artist, we get royalties. Like, for instance, I have a company, Deny Design Online, and they use my art for pillows, for shower curtains, for a lot of home decor items. And they make the products, they sell the products, they market the products, they're a wonderful company, and I get paid royalties. But you know, there's a contract behind it. You have to be able to negotiate with, with the people that approach you about these things. And a business degree is always helpful in those matters. Great. So what changes are going on in your industry that a person who is considering the profession needs to be aware of? I would say technology because as a fine artist, I spend a lot of time in the studio. And when I'm in my studio, it's like a totally different realm. I have paint, real paint, real brushes. And it's it's like an old fashioned environment, I call it. But then I step into my office where I take my photos I took of my art. And then it becomes a whole other world. 
that place is more sterile. There's my computer and I plug in my card from my camera and I process the photos myself. You have to understand how to use different software. I use Adobe Lightroom. I use Adobe Photoshop. I process my own photos to make them presentable online in order to sell my art online and look professional. You have to learn all those skills, how to do digital processing, how to use the internet for marketing. I call it my guerrilla marketing. If I can find ways of marketing and advertising that won't cost me anything, that's what I'll do. But you have to understand technology and technology is a blessing in my opinion because it opens up possibilities to individuals and self-representing artists like myself that weren't there just 20 years ago where we had to knock on doors, go to galleries and say, look at my art, would you like to represent me? And then 90% of the time you're told no. Now you can do it yourself. You can have your website, you can design your website, you can do blogs, you can do social networking, and that's how you spread your product, which your art basically is. In a cold term, it is a product. But you know, from a pragmatic standpoint, to be successful financially, you can't always be just emotional about your art. You're emotional when you're in the studio, but then when it comes to What's next? You have to become pragmatic and use technology to help yourself to become successful and market yourself all over the world. And I think that's just wonderful. I mean, I'm totally thrilled. I love computers. Most people are like, I hate computers. I love computers when they work. (laughs) (laughs) When they work. Well, we're coming to close to the end of this interview, and I wanted to ask you, why do you think that being a fine artist is on the list of the top 100 careers? I actually think this century is really going to be about a resurgence of individuals taking charge of their lives and careers. Well, I've seen manufacturing, for instance, manufacturing has really dropped and we don't make things anymore as much. I feel like the last century was more about manufacturing than the computer age began. And I think this will be the age of independent entrepreneurs, people making things again, creating things with their own hands. And I don't know if you're familiar with Etsy. It's a website where people like myself, fine artists, crafters, we sell our things things to the public and this place is exploding Felicia the desire by people to purchase things that they can connect with that are made by somebody with their own hands handmade is just a growing phenomena I don't know if people paying attention to this but that's why I think one of the top 100 careers because it's one of the things that fulfills the desire in many people a lot of people would love to be an artist they weren't told that you just can't make any money this way. And the creativity will, there's so much creativity, so it will be one of the top 100 careers. You become independent, you make things, you can create a workspace in your home. Every day I pat myself on the back and say, Jeanette, you're so lucky. You don't have to be in traffic for an hour and then another hour home or even worse. I know this sounds probably very futuristic and weird. And again, that's why I'm saying I'm somewhat eccentric. When people start listening to me, they think like, what is she talking about? But I really see in my mind's eye that vision of more and more people working from their houses, from their homes, making things again, getting back into making things again, not just fine artists. I know this call is about me and being a fine artist, but there is really a broader implication here which is making things 
with your own hands. You know, it's true. And I think, Matt, to one of your comments earlier where you were talking about one of the things that artists will do and one of the reasons why you encourage them to get a business degree is they won't, you know, it's almost like they're giving away their art. And when you were talking about working with your hands, I have a friend who creates um, beautiful crocheted blankets and items. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about the fact that she didn't have money for XYZ. And I was just like, oh, really? And, you know, it was just kind of one of those passing comments. And then later on, she was saying that she gave this particular person one of her crocheted blankets. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you did what? And she goes, I just gave it to her. And I was just like, okay. And I was just like, you don't see the disconnection. Yeah. You're talking about the fact that you don't have money. You've now just spent however many hours working on this crocheted blanket. Right. You could have sold her the crocheted blanket, which would have given you the money to do whatever it is that you want right. to do. You know, we're good friends. I said, I'm telling you, you no longer have permission to give away your stuff. Mm -hmm. I was just like, before you you give it away you need to call me first before you give it away right. because I'm going to tell you you need to be compensated for your time right. I was just like how much time did you devote to creating whatever you just created right that has value that somebody will pay you for right yeah but you see that's exactly what I was trying to talk about I'm glad you brought up this example but it's because we're trained to think that you go to work somewhere as a job to make a living and it really doesn't occur to most people that they themselves have talents and that they can make things and turn that into a business right because see when i started painting i started painting i wanted to be creative but i've always been a driven person in many ways and i also you know i like to make money Everybody does, and I have to. Everybody has to pay bills. So, right. you know, my thinking immediately was, how can I create and be true to my artistic feelings and everything, but at the same time make money? So the first time I actually sold a painting, I painted something, I put it on eBay at the time. And when it sold, my jaw fell to the floor. You see, because we're not trained to think that we can do something on our own create something and sell it and that somebody will actually buy that. That's why she gave the blanket away. Right. And we are fearful right. of asking. See, we're fearful of asking for money for something we did. So, it's, you know, go to work and getting your paycheck is a whole other thing. But when you start creating yourself and having to ask for money, many people are highly uncomfortable with that. And that fear has to be overcome to understand that what I do has value. Like you just said, there's no shame in asking for money for something you did. This is called honest work. It is. It is. You know, you've given us a very, very different perspective of being a fine artist. I think that for those students who are having a conversation with their parents about how they would like to go become an artist and their parents have concern, I definitely know that this particular interview will be very beneficial for them because you really speak to the concerns of the parent as well as what the student themselves can get out of it. And for that, I really thank you. So yeah. if people were looking to get a hold of you, Jeanette, and they wanted to take a look at your art, how would they get in touch with you? 
I have two websites. One is JeanetteCalloway.com, and Jeanette is G-I-N-E-T-T-E, Calloway, C-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y.com, and JeanetteFineArt.com. And on these websites, I have very easy to find links where it'll pop up for contacting me. Very easy, so that's no problem there. Perfect. So I will also have Jeanette's uh, two websites in the show notes. So Jeanette, I thank you very much for your time today. I thank you and I'm really honored that you asked me to be on. I've had a wonderful time. All right, great. To learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at collegefundingresource.com. I also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcast. If you like our podcast, we invite you to go into our iTunes channel and rate the podcast. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen to guests like Jeanette who have valuable information to share about the different careers for you to consider. Jeanette, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and sharing your background and the education that you believe is needed to be a fine artist, as well as sharing your storage and knowledge of the field. Thank you. And I had a good time. And to all the listeners out there, remember what, if I may say that, what Einstein said, the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. Absolutely. So I want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today and hope that you will join me again for the next installment of the Queer 100 podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.